This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yankees Magazine podcast. This is uh, the It's Really Spring Training edition. How are y'all doing? With me today, we have Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. And we have a special guest today from the Yankees Media Relations Department. We have Lauren Moran, who's going to tell us a little bit about how the whole operation runs during spring training and what kind of fun things she gets to see and learn and all that kind of fun stuff. And she's, I, I just, I have to say, she is so excited to be doing this. <laughs> so just mind her enthusiasm and everything like that. It's okay. You know, we get it. But I'm John Schwartz, and uh, pitchers and catchers reported. It's spring training. Yeah, it's here. 2019 has begun. You know, we'll start seeing some some actual baseball taking place on fields, and not a whole lot going on right at first. But uh, you know, it'll be nice to hear those dispatches coming out of Tampa here soon. I hear Aaron Boone is in the best shape of his life. So, <laughs> but honestly, I I just you know the terrible Twitter photos that you see, like that are, are shot through a tiny hole in a fence. Mm-hmm. They're so bad, and it's so great. And, and I'm they just, started last week. Now that the actual workouts are happening, they get a little better because the reporters are allowed a little closer. But I just love those moments when you're seeing like photos shot through holes and fences that are so far away. They convey absolutely nothing about what's happening other than to say baseball is happening. But the videos, it's just the sound of the videos. It sounds like baseball season. Yeah. And that's so cheesy to say. But like you just hear the silly mitts popping and everything like that and it's just the weather's gonna get nicer <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be baseball season you so know one, one of those kind of mile markers for me too is like you know I, I listen to a lot of radio still i'm a big uh fm and am radio guy so i listen to the fan a lot here you know in the new york area and that first sunday morning with ed randall's talking baseball it's like that's one of those okay you we know, did it yep we're, we're we're getting real close now and uh his his first one was this past Sunday and it was it was great he there was a really nice segment he had Mel Stottlemyre Jr. on talking about his dad and stuff so um but yeah just a lot of you know the baseball chatter is starting to heat up which is a good feeling a good thing for us Lauren you know we're excited to have you here because you know Nate and I have been doing this for a while and we have our own experiences and it's sometimes we take for granted or we try not to but obviously we do take for granted that you know we do see behind the curtain we know kind of how things operate, which is what we always are trying to do in our stories, which is not just say, you know, this person went three for four last night, because by the time our readers read that, you know, it's a month later, we're trying to explain why that player went three for four. In a similar vein, you know, now that spring training is underway, you are seeing things from a slightly different perspective. So how many years have you been doing spring training for the Yankees? My first spring training was 2009. I've been with the Yankees since 2007, so this is season 13 for me. Everybody in sports probably counts their time in the sport in seasons, not in years. So this is season 13, but spring training, my first one was in 2009. What is your favorite thing about the experience of being down in spring training every year? I'd say my favorite thing is probably that it's starting everything up again, regardless of 
what it is. I would always rather be busy than bored. And the off season certainly isn't boring for us uh, in our department, but it's a lot of time kind of doing office work and a lot of work on the computer. But when you're back down in spring training, it's a lot of running around. It's seeing people who you haven't seen in several months, catching up, seeing how their off seasons were, but it's really getting back into that grind. For our department, we produce a lot more during the off season than we do during the season. When games are going on, it's kind of the same types of things every day. You get into that groove, but during the off season, it's a lot more big scale projects that that we're working on. So what is your day-to-day like when you're down in Tampa for spring training? I think there's two different uh, sets of day-to-day. I make two trips down there. So at the beginning, before the games start, I'm usually there for about a week. And on these days, it's a lot of setting things up for the different media outlets. This is when a lot of different people from our in-house scoreboard to our publications department, uh, as well as the Yes Network and Yankees Magazine on TV, This is when a lot of those different outlets are getting things that they use throughout the season. So this first week and a half before spring training games really get underway is when a lot of that stuff kind of happens. So whether it's scoreboard features that you see in-game or a lot of the Yes Network specialties, um, guys swinging their bats up against a different background or whatever that is, a lot of that is filmed during spring training during these uh, the first seven to ten days or so, depending on if it's pitchers and catchers or position players. And then once I come back and the games have started, it's kind of getting into that regular season groove almost. It's earlier hours because the games are usually 105 versus night games during the regular season. But it's game notes that our media will use, going to the road games, sitting out in the press box for the home games, kind of just getting back into that, that baseball swing. Is there a lot of interactions you know, with the Yankees players on behalf of the media setting things up for interviews and that sort of thing? Absolutely. A lot of our media that's with the team for the entire season, they've got very good relationships uh, with our players. So they're comfortable going up to each individual player and asking if they've got some time to set up an interview. But because spring training is so busy, and this is the first time that a lot of these reporters are having access to the players in several months, there are a lot of requests that are coming in. So several of them will set things up kind of on their own, but a lot of them will go through us because we can kind of keep track of what asks have been made and make sure that players aren't setting something up that conflicts with a meeting that they have or uh, something else that's set up with the team. I'm always so amused by the people in this company, especially whether it's the publication side or the media side, who have only been around the Yankees for their entire career. Um, You know, I spent a lot of time at Major League Baseball before this, so I would go travel from spring training camp to spring training camp. And the reason I would do that was because spring training was when you could get everything done, everything done, because you would go into the Royals clubhouse and everyone's in a good mood and you're one of two reporters there. And you'd go into you know, the Marlins clubhouse and everyone's in a good mood and you're one of three people there. And then I remember the first time I went to the Yankees spring training clubhouse and I was just like, oh man, <laughs> this is, For sure. there are... 47 reporters. (laughs) (laughs) I've only ever known the Yankees. I've never worked for another team, so I can't really compare it on that level. But we definitely have more reporters than probably any other team. Without question. We've got more people who are following this team on the media side 
throughout the season, whether it's spring training, postseason, regular season, than any other team. And there is that that crunch and everybody in the media is kind of competing with one another and they all want that story. And spring training is really the time that a lot of them can really build the foundation for stories that they're going to be working on throughout the year. So, you know, a, a James Paxton, a Troy Tulowitzki, a DJ LeMay, have you met any of these guys yet? I haven't met any of them. I was working with Paxton when we did his conference call right after we traded for him. So I've met him via text, but I haven't <laughs> spoken to the other the other two. So I'm curious, you know, how does that work? You know, is it, how do you build a, because, you know, our relationship is a little bit more transactional with these guys, I would say, in the sense that even though we do work for the Yankees, you know, there's a give and take in some ways. They know what we need and we know what they need. You know, you are more co-workers of theirs, I would say, in a sense. So how do you build that relationship with a guy? I think it depends on the player and the situation that we got them. I can use Adam Adovino as an example. Uh, my boss had talked to him, and that's usually the case when we sign somebody or acquire them via trade. The uh, The head of PR is normally the first person in the department to speak with that player. And so a lot of the time, I'll just introduce myself, say I work in the PR department, who I work with, kind of give them a frame of reference. But a lot of them have been around for a while, so they know the purpose of a PR department. And uh, so you don't really need to explain that to them. Um, You definitely want to let them know that New York is like nowhere else that they've ever been, whether they've come up through our system and kind of have an idea or if they're coming in sort of blind from another team. Before we were recording, you mentioned uh, one of the big things that obviously happens during spring training is another kind of training, which is media training for these players. I'm always fascinated by how stuff like that goes, what your goals are with that, and you know how that whole thing comes together. So can you, can you just walk us through what kind of training you do with the players? Uh, because I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize just how much goes into getting these guys ready to speak uh, you know, to 20 reporters every day. For sure. Uh, one of the things that I think is most important for us is being proactive rather than reactive. So we want to make sure that our players are knowing kind of at all times what the hot button issues are, whether that's politically or in baseball or kind of anything that's going on. We want to make sure that we're on top of that so we can communicate that to them, uh, regardless of whether it's in spring training or the postseason, regular season. But one of the big things that we do, and uh, we've got a pretty comprehensive media training program, I would say, because of the market that we're in, we put together during the off season a video the, we call it just the media training video, and it's several different sections um, of things that our players and our staff really need to be aware of, kind of how to deal with the media in New York, how to be humble, how to be accountable, the importance of things like sticking to baseball and not getting into the realm of politics or any other things that are going on outside in the world. You really open yourself up to whether it's criticism or additional questioning when you start talking about things that are outside of baseball. So we want to make sure that our players are always aware that those kind of things are important to keep in mind when they're talking to the media. And a lot of the time, because of the competition with the media in New York, you'll get people asking Questions that may lead into something controversial where that first question that they ask seems pretty innocent, but then they can kind of keep going and then you've gotten yourself into this conversation and don't know how to get your way out of it. So a lot of it is preparing them for those kinds of things, kind of seeing where the dialogue might go before they start it 
and making sure that they're prepared. We do an additional session with our guys with zero to three years of service time. That's more interactive. The video we show to everybody in the clubhouse, our coaches and our players, and my boss will talk for a little while about some of the things that he really wants to touch on that are most important. And then in that minor league zero to three years of service session, we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper. We'll do some mock interviews, some examples, showing guys kind of the ins and outs of how the media works. Our goal when we're trying to write these stories is to really dive deep into who these guys are and get maybe sometimes them to talk about the things they're not that comfortable or thrilled about talking about. Not because we want to embarrass them or hurt them in any way, but because you know we, we want to tell their story really well. What do you, even just with us, but also of course with you know the New York Times or ESPN or whatever, what is that push-pull, do you say? Because you want these players to come off well and you want them to people and be interesting and you know whatever but also obviously like you said you don't want them wading into things that are going to hurt them in the long run for sure I think the most important thing whether you're talking about media or anything else is remembering that these players are people at at their core they are people just like everybody else so they are going to have opinions and some of them are stronger than others a lot of the time it is just media trying to get to know players and portray those players to the fans because ultimately the media is the conduit between the people in our clubhouse and the fans. Our fans aren't allowed in the clubhouse, so this is how they get their information. And I think social media has opened up a little bit more of a window so the players can speak directly to the fans in the way that they want to portray themselves. And I think that that's how a lot of people have become even more popular within the fan base. You use like a Didi Gregorius who's constantly posting and he's got his Didi's tweets after a win. And that's one way that the players didn't have the ability to get their person personalities out there in the past that they do now. But at its core, the media is that, that voice to the fans. So for us, it's just differentiating. What is this story going to be about? Are there any potential pitfalls that we can see? And if everything seems fine, then we'll, We'll work with everybody to set it up. Well, I'm curious, you know, you've been at this for a while. And when you first started, it was more of a a veteran-laden team, definitely a a lot younger roster now. So you touched on it a little bit about, you know, having to do maybe a little bit extra training for the guys uh, on the younger side. How else has your job evolved as a result of having a younger team? Like, are guys from this generation who kind of have grown up with Instagram and stuff and are used to sharing things more freely? I mean, or oversharing or oversharing, um, you know, does it make your job uh, different or, or easier in some ways? I don't know that that maybe guys are more open. I don't know. To some degree, it's easier. And to some degree, it's a little bit more difficult because like you said, we do have a lot of young players who have only known life with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to some degree, but that's probably even something I, they, I'm guessing a lot of them skipped uh, mm-hmm. and write, went right to those other uh, social media platforms, Snapchat for sure. So I think for us, an added responsibility has been monitoring all of those and seeing what people are posting, whether they're posting, whether they're liking particular other posts, commenting on somebody else's posts. It's not just looking at what that player puts up on their social media platform, but it's looking at the other ways that they're interacting. Their feed could look totally fine, but then you see something that 
that kind of makes your attention pop that you need to address. Who's the player who you think just got it the best in terms of what you were doing, what you needed, what the push-pull was in some ways? I don't think I can pick one in particular. Um, I do know that we've had a good mix of veterans. Obviously, when I started here, there were a lot of very established players. But the people who have really kind of come up through our system tend to know what they're getting themselves into. And we have had a lot of veterans who will talk to the players, whether they're acquired in a trade or whether they come up from the minors, and really set the tone. Right now, for us, that's probably... Obviously, CC Gardner, uh, Dellen, I think is is big out in the bullpen. Just talking to players and what to expect, anything that they've kind of noticed that they think needs to be addressed, they kind of police themselves, I think, in that respect. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, for sure. Um, just kind of giving them guidelines on how to deal with the media, any tips that they've got. Um, so I don't think that there is anybody that stands out. You can go to your obvious uh, core four which is probably the default answer for a lot of people. Those four guys all knew what they were doing. They knew how to deal with the media. They knew how to balance it with their baseball responsibilities, but they also knew that they needed to talk to the media and understood what the purpose of the media was. What is the thing you are most looking forward to seeing this year during spring training? I think just the excitement. We had a 100-win team last year. We had a good playoff run in 2017 so I think it's just kind of looking to continue and build upon that we've added some some pretty big name players uh, especially early on in the offseason who I think are eager to be here and in some respects eager to get out of um, maybe some of the other situations that they were in they they feel like they've got a good chance an opportunity to win here so I think it's just meeting the new players and really seeing how everybody kind of meshes and gels within the clubhouse. How different is the postseason experience from your perspective? Honestly, for us, once you get there, our role completely changes during the postseason. We'll put together a postseason media guide that's kind of a recap of the entire year and we'll stay overnight, um, usually after the final game, because a lot of this stuff you can't finalize until all of those stats and rankings throughout the league are updated. I'm always amazed that you guys are able to crank that thing out as quickly <laughs> as you are, because that is a serious piece of literature. Well, that's I, I, I could show you on my to-do list right now. Setting up players' postseason media guide bios is on my to-do list for <laughs> that gap when I'm back in New York before I head back down to spring training for... Uh, the second half. Wow. So in February, you'll be planning for October. So the postseason media guide, if we make the postseason, comes out in October. The regular season media guide, which is also a massive project. You guys, I know, spend a lot of time working on that during the off season. When does that come out? And I guess in addition to those two, are there, is there anything else that I'm missing? I'm trying to think about like the big, obviously the game notes, you know, that's ongoing throughout the entire year. But the media guide, when, when will when does that come out and who uses that? We finalized the media guide, which this year is 480 pages, I believe, last week. So those are at the printer and we are eagerly awaiting their arrival. So those will be out before the first spring training game. We'll have the physical copies of those and then we always post it online. Those get used by members of the media primarily. It's got a history of the Yankees, pretty comprehensive bios on everybody who's a 40-man player, 
bios on all of our minor leaguers, information on all of our farm clubs, all sorts of things are really in there. It's kind of one-stop shop for all of your Yankees information that you could want. It's certainly a, a valuable resource for us. I know I keep mine handy. One of the few things I could say I use every single day. Yeah. So last thing before we let you go, you're pretty familiar with the Tampa area. A lot of fans come down for it. What are your Tampa spots to eat at? This is the biggest question. That okay. I'm going to take notes here. I've got a few of them. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Soho Sushi yes, is my sushi spot. I love it. I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A because I don't have access to that during the regular season. There are so many. I just drive to them. I don't even know a lot of their names. I just know that I drive to them. I know um, every single year when I get to Tampa, the first thing I do is go to the PR room over there and just like, what are the new spots? Where, where am I eating tonight? And you guys always take care of me. Yeah, we like to, to explore. And one of the great things about Tampa is you don't have to explore very far to find a lot of different options. I, I personally like being able to drive around and park in a parking lot and go into a restaurant and and have my dinner so guys i think we've established our level of excitement right now about uh spring training actually happening the winter is just so long and i like football i enjoy football i like basketball i like all these things but it just it feels like we're back we're in spring training now two weeks from now it's really going to be spring training and there's gonna be spring training games going you'll be able to turn on your tv and watch baseball games happening and then four weeks after that, you know, we're here to play Baltimore on opening day. So thank you for joining us on uh, this spring training preview-ish episode. Yeah, thanks for being here, Lauren. We appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we're going to talk to our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri, about a meal that he had with Dylan Betances, uh, where the four-time All-Star reliever talked about what he's expecting for this coming year. So stick around for that. Hi, this is Greg Bird. You don't have to wait for the first pitch to get caught up on some of the best stories about your 27-time world champion Yankees. Subscribe to and download the Yankees Magazine podcast by visiting yankees.com slash podcast. And we're back. Al, welcome. Thank you. Great to be back. We discussed on our last segment that it is actually now spring training. It's hard to believe that we, we, we made it. It's here. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in watching this year is just the incredible bullpen that the Yankees have. It's a lot of old faces, some older faces than others, some new faces. But as always, and I think we could have said this for the last five years, I think the most interesting guy in that bullpen is Dylan Batantis, who can really do every role and has done it for a while, has been to four all-star teams since he's been here. And I'm really interested in how you think he's approaching this coming year and what may or may not be different from past years. Yeah, you know, I, I did have the opportunity to sit down with him. We had a really nice dinner before the holidays at a time when, you know, he had kind of been, for lack of a better word, to hell him back in terms of his career. He had had such an, an interesting run through the minors, uh, which was really a roller coaster, then got to the majors and had so much success over over the period of, four years you know clearly one of the best relief pitchers in the game and like a lot of athletes you know have come their way he, he had some adversity he you know kind of lost his focus as, as he put it and was was not able to do some of the same things really starting at some point in the 2017 season and that season essentially once it started to go bad just didn't 
ever turn around. It continued to go bad for him, and he really, really struggled down the stretch to the point that, you know, during the team's, you know, amazing playoff run in which we got to the game uh, seven of the ALCS, he really was not a factor the way he had been. And, he, you know, he worked really hard that offseason to both refocus mentally and really figure out what he was doing wrong physically and how why he wasn't able to get guys out. Came back, you know, had a great spring. And really what was interesting to me was that, again, that now we're talking about 2018. Somewhere in April of 2018, started to have more problems, different problems, other problems, some of the same problems. And during the course of that season, actually very quickly, last season, was able to again turn it around. And to me... That's what I was so interested in talking to him about is you did it once, then you had to do it again. And mentally, you know, how challenging was that to overcome a second time? And he did. He he overcame it and was, again, one of the best relief pitchers, not in not only in, on the team, but in, in the American League from July to the end of the season. You know, it shows his grit and, and mental perseverance and, and ability to, to come back a second time. Yeah, that's that experience. I mean, he's he's a he's a veteran player now. He's been through so much. I mean, he had a very long minor league career before he even got to the majors. So, uh, you know, he's clearly uh, learned a lot of lessons over that time. And I think that had he experienced those problems at the beginning of 18, earlier in his career, you know, he might not have been able to rebound as quickly and as effectively as he did. But there was something different about it last year when he when he kind of hit a rough patch right out of the gate. It, it didn't really seem to phase him at all. And, you know, not only was it different because he had, you know, so much experience and so much success already in the bank, it was also different for him even in comparison to the struggles that he had in 2017. And he talked a lot about that. And I said, you know, how worried were you when, you know, again, you kind of resurrected your career but then – you're giving up home runs and you know you're you're struggling again and he was like no I really wasn't worried the second time because it was really different and it was really correctable stuff I felt like I was doing things right but for a very different reason you know he talked about being more predictable there were things that I had to iron out but he felt very very confident for two reasons one because he had confidence in his ability but also in in that he felt like he was really close even though he was getting beat up pretty good and so even though he was struggling again he felt very good that he could come back and could come back quickly at the beginning of 18. Al you know I mean I think all of us like whenever possible to get out of the clubhouse with these guys and it's easier sometimes than others you you get different answers you get different information sometimes when you're not you know, standing next to a guy's locker as he's standing next to his teammates, whatever. What are you, when you're out with a player like Dallin, what are you hoping to do differently than you might just during the course of spring training or the regular season? A lot, and I think that's a great question and and couldn't possibly be more true. (laughs) But I think the first thing is what I'm always looking to do differently is turn it from an interview to a conversation. You want the conversation to literally be conversational and not question answer question answer and you're able to do that for a couple reasons one you alluded to john in that the subject is much more relaxed they don't have their teammates you know a foot on either side of them uh they're not in you know in a a locker room Uh, they're fully clothed (laughs) 
I'm serious. It, oh, like it's not sometimes awkward that these guys are yeah. in various states yeah, of undress when we have to talk to them. <laughs> I would hope that during dinner you were all fully clothed. I didn't think that was going to be a controversial comment. <laughs> it's much more of a relaxed setting. They're much more relaxed when they don't have, like you said, their teammates on either side of them. And also, you know, the other thing, as, as you guys know so well, is that when you're doing an interview in the clubhouse, you're really working against the clock. You're given a certain amount of time, and that's it. It's a, a fun thing when I'm talking to a, you know someone in our media relations department or a player's handler, and they're like, you know, how much time do you need? Well, if it's in the clubhouse, I guess I need 20 minutes. But if it's over dinner, I don't have to give you a, a time. It's going to be however long Until it takes. Until the check comes. Until the check comes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, th- what I noticed about Dellen is in that at that dinner – the interview or conversation, if you will, started off much like an interview in the clubhouse. And then I think as the evening kind of went along, he became more comfortable, I became more comfortable, and his answers became much more conversational. And as you guys know, answers that are more conversational are simply better. Right. They led to a better story. I think for me, you know, I don't know if it's maybe that I'm a nervous eater or whatever. I, I agree that I like getting the guys out of the clubhouse. I often would rather do you know coffee or an activity or something like that because i just I, I have a difficult time doing the interview while you know we're also eating pancakes or whatever but i remember and i'll always remember that last year in san francisco when i spent some time with cc we had this big plan to go for breakfast in san francisco and i get there and kind of waiting 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 and suddenly cc rolls up in an uber and out also jumps my car key the bullpen coach and in my head i'm just like oh you know cool, I guess Harky's also going here for breakfast. And then Cece's like, oh yeah, Harky's going to join us. So we're sitting there during the interview and Harky's just sitting there eating his breakfasts and Cece and I are having a conversation. I just keep looking over like, hey Mike, like anything you want to add here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just made, I was already, uh, it ended up being a fine interview and obviously Cece is the best, but I'll always remember just, you know, there, there were a lot of empty tables in that restaurant. I thought yeah. it was pretty interesting. Harky wanted to sit in to observe our interview. Now, Dellen is, um, you know, he's always been a great guy to talk to and very insightful, but I feel like, uh, you know, he's, he's, come a long way in this regard as well you know in terms of you know sitting down for lengthier interviews like it's just part of that you know experience and being a veteran and having this long career and he's done a million of these things now and like you know I'll never forget going down to uh the Dominican Republic a couple of years back uh Dylan was doing a uh you know he, he goes down there and he works out during the off season but he was doing a clinic for kids and he was coordinated a big uh equipment donation it was it was a great event but the night before you know we went out for dinner together and I mean this is my first night in the Dominican Republic I had never been there before and like it was great just to sit and talk not even necessarily like for the story or for the interview but just you know he was like a guy who was familiar with the country and could just kind of you know educate me uh in that regard as well so but it's interesting because obviously I've never had the experience with him in the Dominican but Dellen in my time here with the Yankees has basically been, you know, exactly in line. Obviously, he had a couple of months before, um, you know, we both started in 2014 or what have you. At the beginning, he didn't really want to look too deep, I, I-, I felt, but he was super nice about it. And yet, you know, in-, in-, in the previous segment, we were talking to Lauren, and it's funny to hear 
her talking about from a media relations perspective now, he's not only a veteran on the team, but he's one of like the people who helps the media relations department out the most Mm -hmm. in terms of working with the other players, in terms of them knowing that whenever they need a media thing, you know, they can rely on Dellen to take care of it. You had the Dominican experience. I will always cherish during Hope Week last year, there, there was a difficult event uh, that I ended up covering. It was a girl who had been getting bullied, and it was a wonderful idea, and it was a wonderful thing they had put together. But as is going to happen sometimes, she just wasn't very comfortable with, with the attention, unfortunately. It was a very difficult situation because no one really knew what to do with you know, this person who all kinds of media was out there, all kinds of attention was being put on her, and she just didn't want it. And I've never seen anything like the way Dellen just basically said, I'm going to stand next to you the entire time and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to make sure you have a good time or I'm going to try my best to make sure you have a good time. But like, I am here for you. I'm not here so that, you know, the cameras catch me doing the right thing for a moment. I'm not like, Mm -hmm. if you're concerned, you talk to me. If you need something, you talk to me. And he literally stood next to her the entire time. And in my head, he's still always this very quiet rookie and he's completely not that anymore. (laughs) And yet, you know, you see that happen and you realize just what a leader he's become on this team and how important he is and how his flexibility and comfort with who he is in a situation has allowed Brian Cashman to assemble this incredible bullpen because he's such a huge part of it. And yet, you know, you just don't see guys with that level of skill in the role he's in for as long as he's been in, you know, a lot of teams would have traded him by now um, just because he's so valuable. And yet, you know, look at the point of Nate's story in the Dominican Republic. It's, you know, it's all about doing right for others and, and helping others and helping young people in particular. So, and the thing is like, and we've seen this so many times in our years covering the sport, that is the circle of life in a sense of a good baseball clubhouse because he's doing that stuff because when he was young here he saw Carlos Beltran doing that he saw Derek Jeter doing that he saw CeCe Sabathia doing that and there are young players coming up right now Aaron Judge just a few weeks ago launched his foundation no doubt because he saw CeCe doing it and he saw you know Dellen doing it all these things and and these obviously Dellen does a great job working with the pitchers in the bullpen and you know teaching them different grips and things like that but also you know, he's a just an incredible example for his younger teammates right now, and he's embraced that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly, and uh, very excited to see what Dellen and the rest of this bullpen is capable of doing this year. I mean, it's they're going to be, uh, on paper, they look phenomenal. Is this so. the best bullpen ever built? I mean, I, I, I know it's a ridiculous question in some ways. I just don't know what they could have done to make this bullpen better. No. I mean, when you think about you can really go to those guys in the, the fifth or sixth inning and your first option out of there might be somebody who's capable of being an all-star. So, I mean, it's amazing. Jonathan Holder was really good last year. I'm not sure where he pitches on this team right now. Yeah, he, I was just having a conversation with somebody about Tommy Canely, who I know struggled last year, but look at how much talent he has and what he brought to the table. He's down pretty far down the depth chart, very, very far. And that's, I mean, that just shows you the depth of it. I think one thing I'll go back to that was really interesting that I talked to Dylan about was the wild card game last year and just how that game kind of depicts the strategy that the Yankees have going into a big game. And I don't, I don't mean a game that doesn't even have to be that big, just a big game, whether it's a regular season game or a postseason game or whatever it may be. And he knew going into that game prior to that game that you know, as soon as Luis Severino showed any sign, if he showed any sign, excuse me, of, you know, not pitching well or putting guys on base or whatever, that 
you know, Aaron Boone was coming for him. And he was in the game very early, and he gave them two innings, and, you know, one one of which was a stressful inning, meaning he came in with the bases loaded, got out of that, pitched another inning, and then they went to the, you know, whoever, I don't even remember, whoever was next, and down the line and won the game. And I think it's it really shows the strength of this team because even if they're not winning after the fifth inning or after the sixth inning, what it does is it gives their offense an opportunity to come back if they're not winning or obviously hold the lead if they are winning, but it gives them a chance to come back and score runs while not really worrying too much about the, the other team continuing to tack on. And so it doesn't only give them the chance to hold a lead after the fifth, it gives them a chance to come back after the fifth. And I think that's really important and is going to happen quite a bit. Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Dylan Batances, Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. No, not bad. <laughs> it's what you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Al, this, uh, sit down that you had with Dylan Batances was for a feature story that uh, listeners can check out where 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 can they find this piece yep it's going to be in the spring issue of Yankees magazine and in our official spring training program both of which come out uh, at the end of February spring training program on sale February 25th at GMS field for the first spring training game gentlemen that's that's two weeks away sounds good looking forward to it that we we did it Thank you so much for joining us on this last episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast before spring training games start. We hope that you'll follow us all season long, but certainly during spring training on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Al, Nate, and I will be reporting from down in Tampa over the course of the next six weeks or so, and we'll be doing our best to keep you informed of everything going on. Also, of course, you can go to yankees.com slash magazine to read all of our long-form content or go to yankees.com slash publications to purchase an issue of Yankees Magazine or, of course, to purchase a subscription. Please, please, please go to iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts and download, subscribe, review. We need reviews. Reviews make us show up in the podcast lists. Review us. Take your friends' phones. Review us on their phones. Download us onto their phones. That's completely approved and allowed and sanctioned. And, of course... Email us, podcast at yankees.com. We love to hear what you think. We love to hear what you want us to do. We love to hear what you want. Uh, if you have any ideas for what we can talk about, what we can write about, what players we can sign, certainly we'll do our best to pass it up the line. And that's all. Have a great uh, rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy spring training because it's upon us. We'll speak to you next time. Hi, this is Aaron Hicks. For more stories like this one, subscribe by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 